leg today. The Belmont Stakes takes place today. And we need to talk about this. We have the Kentucky Derby coming up in September, and it looks like the Preakness in early October. On the phone with us from Hawthorne Racecourse, it is the voice of Hawthorne, Jim Miller. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great. It's so weird. This is normally about the right time for the calendar year for the Belmont, but it's not normally the first leg of the Triple Crown. So it's so weird seeing the Belmont coming today, and this just kicks off the Triple Crown season. All right, I'm trying to figure this out. So the Kentucky Derby was supposed to be May 2nd. Right. And the Kentucky Derby is now the second uh, race in the Triple Crown, which is now Saturday, September 5th. As I say this out loud, I can't even say it with a straight face because I'm laughing. So, yeah, it's so it's so weird. I mean, normally you, you're seeing these races over a five-week sequence, and, and now you're looking at it over, over the course of a four-month sequence. It's, it, it is. It's just really odd this year. And the Preakness, which is usually two weeks after the Kentucky Derby, it was this year on May 16th, postponed until October 3rd, which will will be the third race <laughs> in the Triple Crown. Yeah. Uh, we need a chart for this. Yes. And, and it's so odd because what, what they're creating this year, then, and the one thing that could be really cool, if you get a horse that wins the Triple Crown this year, is then a month after the Preakness is going to be the Breeders' Cup and the Breeders' Cup Classic. So now you're turning the Triple Crown into kind of a grand slam of racing. So they've done a nice job with it. I mean, the first year has been, the first half of the year has been pretty much a complete wash for everybody. So trying to make something out of the second half of the year, but it is. It's really interesting. And uh, I'll tell you, there's probably only one horse that's in the Belmont that could win the Triple Crown, but we'll know a little bit more after today. Well, Jim, does it really count this year? Because I never really paid attention in years past. Because you'd have the Kentucky Derby, then two weeks later you would have the Preakness, then two weeks after that is the Belmont Stakes. So all happening within a six-week period, correct? Sure. Yeah, and you know what? There, if a horse does win all three, there, there'll be people out there saying there should be an asterisk for sure. But uh, I'll tell you, regardless, the one thing that's really kind of changed this year that I think actually makes it a little bit tougher is early on in the year, you figure the first three months of the year, Everybody was still prepping for that Kentucky Derby that first Saturday in May. So they were getting their horses ready, geared up at that time. And now what's happened is they've really had to back off these horses. Trainers have had to map out their races. You had a lot of tracks that went dark for months at a time. So they've had to keep these horses fit, try to find races for these horses across the country, maybe not where their home base is, and then try to keep that horse still fit and ready to run now to make it through the entire year. And in so many years, we see these horses we have a field of 20 in the Kentucky Derby. You come back for the Preakness, maybe you have six or seven that came out of the Derby. You get to the Belmont, maybe it's two or three that ran in the right. Derby. So it really does kind of change the whole sequence. So when it comes to the three young three-year-old horses, you might have a chance to see some more longevity out of these ones that have made it this far only because of the spacing of the races. So does this benefit older horses since there's 60 days in between uh, the Belmont Stakes and the Kentucky Derby? Um, you know what, the thing that it really kind of benefits, I think, is the more experienced trainer more than anything else. And that's the thing where you look at it is you have a lot of these horses because of the Kentucky Derby point system. They're just scrambling to try to get enough points to get into the Kentucky Derby. And that's the thing that has changed a little bit now is these trainers who are trying to find their way to the Derby but have more options now and have spaced out their races really have the benefit. Because these horses that you're seeing race two or three times in a matter of five weeks just to garner points to get into the Kentucky derby they usually don't hang around through the entire triple crown sequence so when you're looking coming into the belmont this year for example there's a few horses that have had races spaced out and maybe peaking a little bit later so you're right these horses that might not have been ready say in april and may 
now are coming around a little bit more, and, and that could be beneficial to some of those today. We're talking to Jim Miller from Hawthorne Racecourse. Uh, we talked to you on the first day of racing a few weeks ago. How weird has it been mm-hmm. not having fans in the stands? You know what? It's been so weird, but it's been really kind of cool. And the way I say that it's been kind of cool is you look at the betting aspect of it, Pete, and the betting's actually been up. And I think a lot of that is due to the fact that we still don't have professional sports back. So a lot of these people that would be betting on sports have turned over to horse racing. And every night since we returned, and we've had six racing nights since we've been back, the wagering has been up each and every night. So when you're racing at Hawthorne and you're there live, it's so incredibly quiet. It's really weird. I'm up on the fifth floor looking down at the horses. I can hear the drivers (laughs) yelling and screaming and hooting and hollering through the lane because you don't have any fans to drown out that sound so that's the odd part but i'll tell you the betting's been really good which which is is really fantastic and beneficial right i try to explain to people when we have you on every single year or to talk about these races i mean we've all seen horses in real life but to see a race horse in real life i've walked through the stables at hawthorne race course i've seen these horses these race horses they are enormous and they're pure muscle aren't they Man, it's absolutely incredible. And the one thing that you've seen that some tracks have started doing, which I think is really cool, and we haven't done it yet, but we may, is they, they're starting to list the weights of these horses. And it's amazing. You're seeing, I, I, there's a, a horse in the Belmont, for example, Sol Volante, who's light. That horse is 950 pounds. Then you move over to Tis the Law, who's over 1,000 pounds. Jungle Runner's over 1,100 pounds. I mean, these are massive, massive animals of strength. And all it is is muscles just rippling and the strength and everything. And I'll tell you, that's what makes them such awesome some athletes and uh i think that's what probably allows for some of these horses really to kind of battle through when you're in real tight quarters is is that strength and that size can be beneficial for some of the horses right i mean watching these races and it's like a it's like a mini cooper a thousand pound horse and they're two or three inches from each other aren't they yeah, and that's the thing about it. And, and the thing that's really cool is it's a lot of split-second decisions. Because think about the jock. You have a jock on the back of the horse who, say, weighs 110 pounds. He's balancing on two two-inch-wide pieces of metal, basically, and that's what his stirrups are. <laughs> and, and he's on top of the horse trying to not only steer the horse through holes, put him in the right position, but then have to take one hand off to use it if you want to use the whip. So, I mean, how incredible these athletes are is really cool. And there's so much thought process that goes into it. And really, that's what happens is is the horses are going to put yourself in position early on. And then it's the split-second decisions made by the riders that determine whether or not you could win a race. Can you tell uh, when you're calling a race and you can see a jockey through your binoculars, you can tell that they did something wrong and they blew the race? Oh, yeah, you've seen it time and again, and a lot of times you can see it just just based on either mannerisms, based on if they go to the whip a little bit earlier, or a lot of times you see it in their hands. A jock that's real calm and patient and cool and collected, just, just sitting there and kind of letting the horse do his thing, and they're just kind of in a rhythm. They're not doing a whole lot with their hands. All of a sudden, you watch the hands and those palms turn over a little bit, and they start kind of urging the horse along. That's when you know that they're starting to use this horse a little bit. They may be a little unhappy in the race, and it's a matter of that timing. If they're doing that in the turn, then you know you have some issues. Now, if they're waiting until the middle the stretch to do that then you know they've saved something up and their timing's been perfect but you can see it and you can see it up close so when we're watching the belmont stakes today jim miller from hawthorne Racecourse, watch the hands of the jockey 
Yeah, yeah, and that's one of the things you want to watch. You want to watch their balance on the horse. If they're just sitting there and they're very quiet and they're not doing a whole lot and they're letting the horse just kind of cruise along and do their thing, that's the first thing that you want to know that the horse is really comfortable. If they start kind of encouraging and you see a little bit of hand movement, a little bit of arm movement, then you know they're really encouraging the horse. And then the one thing that you'll see after that, and again, if you're seeing it in the turn, it can be a little bit concerning when they're starting to go to the whip a little bit to try to get a little bit more encouragement. If you're seeing that again late in the stretch, then you're okay. But if you're seeing it starting in the turn, then you know that horse is running out of gas. So if he's moving his hands early on in the race, you know that's a dog. That uh, that horse isn't going to win. <laughs> Most likely, yeah. You know you know they're getting tired. You know they're not comfortable. You know right. they're not in a position that they want to be in. And, and the jock's just doing everything they can. And a lot of it is because you want to show that you're giving yourself your best effort and your best opportunity. And there is the occasional horse that does respond to that. But I'll tell you, it, it's not a very good feeling when you're still a quarter of a mile from the wire and you're having to start kind of urging that horse along. Wow, that's good to know. So watch the hands today when you're watching the race. And down the stretch they come! On the phone with us, Jim Miller from Hawthorne Racecourse. Do you give that scream down the stretch they come? No, I do not. That one's saved for Dave Johnson, a great friend. I I can't steal that from him, but uh, I'll tell you, that's one of the most exciting things that you ever hear in racing, too, especially with the massive crowd. And one of the most recognizable calls in all of sports, wouldn't you say, Jim? Oh, I would say for sure, and especially when you get that field of 20, you have the roar going on and all, all that that comes with it, and the excitement if you have a possible Triple Crown winner. It is. It, it, it's very cool. There is the excitement, and that's the one thing that kind of brings it in, and especially now, more days, with everybody having to turn to watch it on simulcast, I mean, it really does fall into the uh, description of the announcer to uh, tell everybody kind of the story behind what's going on in the race. All right, let's uh, quickly do a whip around here. We'll find out Ryan's horse in the Belmont Stakes today. Ryan Ryan, who are you taking? There's 10 horses in the field. I'm taking Modernist, the Magnificent Beast. Uh, <laughs> ran back on, uh, when, when was this here? March 21st, he took uh, third. Well, let's talk to the expert, Jim Miller from Hawthorne Racecourse. Jim, Modernist today? <laughs> I love your reference of magnificent beast for modernist. Very cool. I'll tell you. He probably looks just like all the other horses. Uh-huh. Here's a cool note on modernist. This horse is trained by Bill Mott. Bill Mott saddled his first winner in 1968. Earlier today, he saddled his 5,000th career training Whoa. victory. So this is a guy that definitely knows what he's doing. You get Junior Alvarado in the saddle. He's a guy that has in many a winner at Belmont Park. This is a horse that actually started out its career in New York. I could give Modernist a chance. To me, probably more of a horse to look to underneath in your gimmicks. Has tactical speed, should be able to rate close. I'm probably looking at Modernist maybe more for a horse sitting like second, third, or fourth. Second, third, or fourth. Sorry about that, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to Bob. Bob? I, I heard him mention Sole Volante, mm-hmm. did I not? In earlier Yes, segments. you did. Okay. Sole Volante, <laughs> that's the, your horse. The Flying Sun, I believe? Mm-hmm. And and the the thing about this horse that that you're really going to need is pace because this is a horse that sits back early on and just makes one run late. And you look through all the horses running lines, that's kind of what it is. Sit maybe 10 lengths back early on and then kind of try to come running and and try to really come flying and run them down. And the cool thing about this horse and the cool thing about the Belmont today, guys, is typically the Belmont is the third leg of the Triple Crown, goes a mile and a half. So it's going two turns all the way around. Today it's shorter. It's a mile and an eighth. So it's only a one-turn race because Belmont's a massive racetrack. So for a horse like 
like this, you might get a little bit more pace out there than you normally would for the mile and a half Belmont. That could help a horse like Sol Volante. This is one of the few horses that I think has a chance to pull off an upset in the Belmont. Wow, Bob, that's a good pick. Why the shorter um, distance? Why from? You know what? I, the, there was a lot of question going into it, and, and I think what everybody thought was okay because this is the first leg of the Triple Crown. And because of the timing and because you may have some three-year-olds that are blossoming a little bit later on in the year, they didn't want to put them right away to that test of a mile and a half. Because really nowadays, you don't see mile and a half races in the United States, really, aside from the Belmont Stakes. So because of that, they shorten it up to a mile and eighth, make it a little bit easier on these horses with the hopes that you do see more of these horses coming back in the other three-year-old stakes later on in the year. All right, my pick for the Belmont Stakes. We're talking to Jim Miller from Hawthorne Racecourse. I chose Farmington <laughs> road and the reason i chose that is because one of my favorite bars in the state Jimmy, <laughs> jimmy's bar is on farmington road in peoria all right and farmington road's a horse that's very similar to solar volante but you're going to get a better price here farmington road's probably going to be 15 to 1 if not higher maybe 20 to 1 you get a hall of fame trainer in todd pletcher who yeah. knows the spellman track very well 18 <laughs> starts at the belmont meet already nine of 18 on the board Five of those coming as victories. And here's the thing. Farmington Road ran fourth in the Arkansas Derby in that last out behind a horse in Nadal, who probably would have been the favorite if he had made it to the Belmont and not gotten injured. So that moves a horse like Farmington Road up again. He's another horse that's probably like Sol Volante to pick up the pieces. Pete, I don't think he's quite as fast as Sol Volante. So again, he's a horse to look to underneath, maybe second, third, or fourth. You never make us feel bad about our picks. That's right. If you, there's only one fast. horse in the race that I'd make you feel bad about. So we'll see if you get to that one. Uh, who's your favorite today? You know what? The horse to beat in here, guys, and, and it is the favorite of the race, but this is the only horse in here that could win the Triple Crown is the eighth. That's Tis the Law. Yep. This is a horse trained by Barkley Tag, and Barkley Tag trained a horse by the name of Funnyside, who was a Kentucky Derby winner years ago. But the thing about Tis the Law is you look – through the race pattern, and Barkley tags on a tremendous job because every single time this horse has had time off in between races. So this is nothing that isn't familiar. It's not a horse that needs to race, say, every three weeks. This is a horse that is used to that time off, used to the training pattern. Everything seems to line up for Tis the Law just to kind of have that perfect trip. So just off the pace and come rolling late. So Tis the Law is the most likely winner of the Belmont. But you know we can't just give you a four to five favorite to win the Belmont. So the way that I would play the race, I'd put Tis the Law on top. I think you have to look to the one, tap it to win, if there's any horse that's going to steal the race. Because tap it to win, raced at Belmont that last out, went on the lead, took him all the way around, another Hall of Famer and Johnny Velasquez in the saddle. So I'm going to put tap it to win second, and then after that, underneath, I'm going to use a couple of the horses you guys mentioned, Modernist, Farmington Road, Sol Volante, and then I think you probably want to throw the six horse. Four left in there is a long shot of 30 to one, but tis the law is clearly a horse to beat in the Belmont. Really? Wow. So the, the um, so tap to win is the first horse um, next to the the rail. Is that right? Right. And right. How, how and that's do they the one decide thing. that? Do they just pick a name out of a hat? Yep. It's 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 a blind draw basically. They they put all the name they put all the names in and they pull a name out and they actually have little pegs, little balls that they roll out and with each ball it's almost like a lottery. Number one, number two, all the way through ten. So it's a complete luck of the draw type of thing. But looking up and down this field, there's not a ton of early speed. A horse like Tappet to win in that last out raced over the Spellman track, 
raced a very similar distance, went a mile and a 16th. And this is a horse that got away on the lead right off the bat and then extended on that lead. And that was the first time Velasquez rode. So now you get the second start, again, going just a little bit longer, but the inside will be beneficial. So if nobody pressures this horse, this is the, this is the horse, guys, where you watch the hands, where you watch the rider. <laughs> if he's still real comfortable in the middle of the turn, yep. then you got to say, watch out for Tap at the win. And then if he starts encouraging in the turn, then you know the horse is going to get tired. But you definitely want to focus on tap it to win also. So tis the law, your favorite is in the eighth spot. Is that going to hurt him? No, that's really not a concern for this race. And that's the thing, too, with how massive the track is at Belmont Park. It's an extremely long run down the backstretch. I mean, you're talking a half a mile before you even get into the turn. Everybody's going to find their position in there. The only thing that can really beat to the law is if some horse just to the inside kind of tries to carry him out in the turn a little bit. But I expect jockey Manny Franco to just tuck in behind the pace, maybe sit second or third, save as much ground as possible. And then if he knows he has enough horse, He's going to make sure that he keeps himself out of trouble, and he'll probably go out a little bit wider on the turn and just kind of try to circle around horses. But he could be that good. We're going to find out today. But if he wins by daylight, then I think he's the horse that could win the Triple Crown this year. You have Doctor, or we have Doctor Post at uh, number nine at five to one, and the tenth spot is is it pneumatic at eight pneumatic, to one? Pneumatic. Yep. Yep. And looking at both these horses, and then the thing about Dr. Post, again, another Todd Pletcher horse. And this is the curious thing when you have Farmington Road and Dr. Post because you have two horses in there trained by the same trainer. So it could possibly mess things up for some others in here because what do you do if Dr. Post says, hey, we're going to send this horse on the lead to try to push Tappet to win so Farmington Road can come running late? That's kind of the question that you have to look at with a horse like Dr. Post. Pneumatic is probably the better of the horses of Steve Asmussen because he's the seven jungle runner in here. And jungle runner was the only horse I was going to tell you that could have absolutely no shot at all in the race. But pneumatic <laughs> is a horse that could have a shot in the race. Okay. Again, a lightly raced horse, so that's a horse that could be a factor. But again, outside draw, not much of a concern. We're just going to have to find out if pneumatic's good enough or not. Jungle runner, by the way, is at 50 to 1. So you're saying yeah. there's no way in hell that uh, that horse is going to win. I think 50 to 1 is generous in that race. <laughs> this right. is a horse that'll probably 60, 70, 80 to 1 come post time. So, Jim, give me your top three one more time before you go. Yeah, Number one, sure. Tis My top the law. pick is going to be the eight, Tis the Law. Okay. Second is going to be the one, Tap It to Win. And then for me, for third, I'm actually going to use the six, four left in here. This is a horse that won in Dubai in its last out, ran a really nice race there. You get a very good jock in Jose Ortiz. And I don't think you'll see 30 to 1. I think you're going to see somewhere more around 15 to 1 on four left. But that horse definitely has some ability. How many times do the odds change throughout the day? It just depends on how many people. Constantly. Oh, yeah, constantly. I mean, you you, you look at it, and and it's funny because I make the morning line at Hawthorne. And and really, that's a guess on what everybody else is going to to wager on the race. The only time you're going to see those odds are the first click when they come up on the board, and then they change right away after the money comes in. But it is good to follow the money because there are a lot of people that are very sharp and we'll watch. And if you do see a large odds fluctuation one way or another, that could be a good sign because a lot of these guys that are training horses too, they talk. They like to talk. So they're going to get out the word if they think they can win. But yeah, you do definitely want to watch the odds board. So I took Farmington Road, which is a dog, according to you. Modernist Ryan, Talk, <laughs> which is a dog. And so Volante, maybe Bob maybe. will have a chance today. Maybe. I'll put in my $2. Okay. This is great. Jim Miller, thank you so much, Jim. <laughs> 
You got it. Hopefully we can talk again come Kentucky Derby time. Absolutely. I'll be calling you. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> Perfect. Take care, guys. That is uh, Jim Miller from Hawthorne Racecourse. Just the best. So we have no chance. <laughs> I always pick a dog every single year, but I didn't want to pick the favorite. That's no fun. Farmington well, Road, it's got meaning. What's what's the, Is it still $2? You can bet. $2 minimum bet. Yeah, you can bet whatever right. you want, I so think. You just could pull you just, up the app. Could you just put $2 on every horse? and then You could, but mm-hmm. doesn't that defeat the purpose? I guess, but then you spent $20. You'll probably win. Well, yeah, if someone like Tis the Law wins, yeah, you lose gonna, money. Even money. Well, you lose $20. Right. That's not so bad. Jungle Runner <laughs> put 2 bucks on 50 to 1. That would be worth it, but that's that not going to no, It's not going to win. Not at all. Sol Volante. Is the, 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 what is it? The, the Flying Volante. Sun. The I don't flying know. What sun. does that mean? I think it's Flying Sun. Flying Sun. Yeah. Modernist. Right. Yeah, I like modernist. Modernist. Sleek. It's a sleek name. It's 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 modern. We're, we're going out there. We're changing the, <laughs> the way that the Triple Crown is, is run. Farmington Road. Mm, doesn't sound mean. <laughs> <laughs> My jockey's got a cool name. Luca Panisi. I think a Luca Brazzi from The Godfather. Oh, yeah. Who would be a terrible jockey, but he was tough. Uh, where's Modernist? Where's your jockey? Junior Alvarado. That is your jockey, Ryan. I stand with him. I wonder how much the jockeys actually make a difference. Could they switch jockeys? I mean, or they do they know it, their horse so well? They, it makes a huge difference. They do. You can see how much I know about it. Yes, Javier Castellano is Farmington Road's jockey today. <laughs> Belmont Stakes. So, again, the, the Triple Crown is backwards this year. So you have the Belmont Stakes first, Kentucky Derby on September 5th. And remember, it was two weeks in the past. They're going to have two months. So these uh, horses can recover, and then the Preakness happens on October 